teaching tonight, which is typical what we do on uh, Wednesday night. And um, I really felt compelled uh, to to help us. Uh, many times in teaching, I like to encourage, I like to train, I like to instruct. Um, tonight, I, I guess I'm issuing a caution. I wouldn't say, uh, probably a warning is kind of harsh, kind of more severe than what the intent is tonight. Um, but but it's, it's tonight is just to give us some understanding. Um, as you begin to turn with me to Judges chapter 21, and I'll start reading it at verse 25. Uh, we'll start here in the Old Testament, and... In my kind of my daily devotion and my morning devotion, this this came up uh, a couple of days ago, and it just really just jumped out at me. Now I have a program that my phone it just reads my daily scriptures to me, and and I get a chance to kind of let the Bible read to me, and I get to um, get to kind of contemplate it and think about it. But man, this this is like the last verse in Judges, and then it just stopped. And I just sat there just contemplating. In fact, I listened to it again. Um, in, in this in this passage, it's it's talking about how Israel had kind of gone off the rails, and especially the tribe of Benjamin, and and some things that happened with. Uh, an assault that took place and some things that happened as a result of this and the, and the, the tribes of Israel beginning to turn on each other. And, and it's really kind of a bad scene. Um, and it really wasn't God's plan for Israel, for the dividing of the kingdom and then squabbling amongst their own kingdom. It was not God's plan. Um, I believe God has a plan A for us, that from our birth, he's got a plan, he's got a destiny, he's got something for all of us, all of us he's got some kind of destiny destiny, and a plan for, uh, some kind of a, a, a perfect plan, an original plan, if, if somebody will follow me uh, closely and, and follow my word and, and, and I will bless them and I will do things for them, I, I believe he has an original plan um, in a perfect plan. Does anybody believe here tonight that you're powerful enough to delay or stop the will of God? Anybody here feel like that, like they're that powerful, that you're that you're big and bad enough to stop the will of God? Well, you are. <laughs> Every one of you are powerful enough to stop the will of God. And that's kind of where we struggle because sometimes we feel like, well, if, God's ha if God has a plan, then he's going to make sure it happens with or without me. That's kind of my teaching that I want to talk about tonight because I, I think that would be an error. I think a lot of what we do affects whether God's will happens or not whether God's plan happens or not. God's plan in the Garden of Eden was to bless Adam and Eve. In fact, if you read this, the Bible, the, the first couple chapters of the Bible, it talks about the Garden of Eden. 
And it talks about how lush and how awesome it was. It was a buffet of fruits and vegetables and things in there. Um, it was perfect. Um, it was God's plan. It was God's will <coughs> to, to be uh, uh, a provider and have just a perfect environment for Adam and Eve. Um, but they messed that up. Um, I have messed things up. We all have messed things up. So this is by no means a lesson tonight on perfection. I would not be qualified to teach it if it was. It, it is more of a lesson on how we should just strive to continue to be in God's will and to try to complete the will of God. Because many times we don't and things go sideways and many times that's because of our own doings. It's because of seeds that we planted that sometimes we have a harvest of things that we don't like and sometimes that fruit is bitter because of us being out of the will of God. Judges 21, starting at verse 24, I'll read out of the King James. It says, And the children of Israel departed thence at that time, every man to his tribe and to his family, and they went out from thence, every man to his inheritance. And then here, here's the part that just stopped me in my tracks, and it's the last verse in Judges, of all books, Judges. And it says this, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Every man did which was right in his own eyes. If you were to go back to right before that is spoken, you would see just some horrific instances of what mankind was doing to each other and uh, to some people that were visiting Israelites from another land and just the horrific um, treatment that Israel was doing, the tribe of Benjamin was doing to those that were in Israel as the kingdom was divided. Without going into a Bible study on that, it, it just shows how far away they had gotten from God. It was not God's will. John 14, verse 15, uh, gives us some instruction. Very brief scripture. If you love me, keep my commandments. The problem is we have a will. The problem is we have desires. We have things that many times that are contrary to God's will. You leave any one of us to our base nature, and we are godless. It's called carnality. There's a carnal, there's a natural nature. That sounds redundant, but there's a nature that we have that is typically anti-God. None of us are good on our own. None of us. None of us are good on our own. A number of years I was talking about a friend, a mutual friend that several of us had while we were attending church, and this person really went off the rails, and uh, it was a sad story, and I told a friend of mine, I said, man, I said, even if I left God, I'd never 
get that bad. And it was like God just kind of showed up into my conversation uninvited. And like over my shoulder, it was like he said, oh, oh, really? You don't know what you're capable of when you have no compass. When you have no Bible to guide you. You, 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 you find yourself just having a compass of, well, I think this is okay. I think this is justified. I think this is all right. Really? What? What? What is, what is all right? And then how did you come up with that solution? How, how did you come up with this is right and this is wrong? And you would find that we would all have our own ideas of what is right and wrong based on what would serve us best. And so the Bible says here, if you love me, keep my commandments, which would kind of show us that the contrary to that is if we don't keep his commandments, there's a reason why. Well, I love the Lord. Well, I would have to say for me, that would tell me that, yeah, I may love the Lord, but not as much as I love myself. Because it's hard to serve the Lord. It's not easy. Governor Jesse Ventura, a number of years ago, while he was governor of uh, Minnesota, said uh, Christianity's for the weak. It's people that can't do it on their own. Oh, it's much easier. It's harder on us, but it's much easier to, to not have to have a moral compass to follow, a moral compass to guide me and lead me, for, have, for me to have to um, um, find certain things that are real contrary to what I want to do and to follow that. And so the word here says, if you love me, keep my commandments. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 7 says this, um, and it talks about the nature of what humanity will look like in what we call the last days. Well, we've been talking about the last days for 2,000 years, yes, but there still will be some last days. There still will come a time where time will come to an end, Jesus will return, and we will all step into eternity and, 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 and face whatever we have prepared ourselves for. He says this in, in chapter 3. Know this also, that in the last days, perilous times shall come. And now it's going to give a description that in last days, and you tell me if this is a snapshot of where we are today. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, Covetous, they covet, they want everything, they want what other people have. Boasters, people are bragging. Proud, blasphemers, people that are saying anything they want to against God. Disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. There's now a song about that. It's actually sung in the Grammys last year. Unholy. Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that do good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. He goes on to say, from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, 
uh, led away with their own diverse lusts. This isn't saying that all women are silly. It was saying that in that day there were some silly women. But who were they being led away by? Men that were false teachers. So this isn't an attack on women here. This is giving us an understanding that, that these deceitful men were trying to lead away uh, ladies that were not uh, grounded in the word. And led captive, silly women, laden with sins, led away by diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to a knowledge of truth. There should, become, there should come a point where you begin to settle on some things that are truth. What is right and what is wrong. And so I'm, I'm laying a foundation here of, of what Scripture says about truth and about obedience. And, and Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, everybody say the gift. It is a gift that he has offered salvation for us, but not everybody will have it. Why? Because not everybody wants it. Well, sure, everybody wants to be saved. Well, no, actually, they they don't. And I've heard plenty of people uh, sing songs uh, about, you know, if, if certain things aren't there, I don't want to go there. If they don't have this there, I don't want to go there. If it's not like this place, I don't want to go there. I would rather, you know, uh, Billy Joel sang a number of years ago in a song, Only the Good Die Young. He said, I'd rather laugh with the sinners than cry with the saints. The sinners are much more fun. Only the good die young. And so there's, there's even lyrics. And so people say that they... Uh, want to go to heaven, but if you do, you, you make choices in obedience and follow those things that help us to get there. But the wages, the price, the payment for sin is death, according to the Bible. Now, again, this is a little different, uh, um, what I'm teaching tonight. I just kind of felt compelled that, that there are some times we do have to we do have to remember that there is another side of God's love. There is another side of God's blessing. There is another side of, of heaven. There is another side of all the things that we like to preach and teach about. That, that sometimes as a pastor, as a parent, as a pastor, we, we have to issue some instruction to, to warn us that we... It is important that we follow the Word of God. It is important that we understand what God's will is in our lives and follow that. He has a plan A. It is a perfect plan. Um, but the wages of sin, if we, if we have to have an understanding that if we, if we decide not to follow Scripture, we can't be surprised if there's a payment for that. Just attending church doesn't make you blessed. If you're a member at a church, it's not enough for you to be blessed. It is really following after him and being a disciple and following after him. And, it, and, it's, and it's amazing to me how many times sometimes I'll see Christians or people that we would say are believers how loosely they will follow and treat obedience to the Word of God. The wages of sin is death. It may be death to your finances. 
It may be death to your friendships. It may be eternal death. The wages of sin is death. And, and so my, my, my concern that I had when I came across that scripture the other day in Judges about uh, they had no king and every man did what was right in his own eyes. How often do we, and I say we, all of us, how often are we tempted at times to do what we think is the right thing to do? And we have to sift it through the word of God to say, but what would Jesus have me do? There was a you know, popular theme here a few years ago. Everybody had a little rubber bracelet on and said, WWJD, what would Jesus do? And, and, and that was good. It kind of was a reminder of what, what would he do. But, but it's also what would Jesus say about this? And so I have to, I have to constantly, and it's, and it's not easy. You, I don't think it ever gets to a point where it gets necessarily easier. But at my stage of life, I have seen myself and countless other people that even though it's not always easy to serve God, I wouldn't trade the blessings for anything. If you have a budget, you'll understand it's not easy to stay within a budget. But the blessing of a budget is freedom. It's not easy to try to eat somewhat reasonably healthy when every portion you get at every restaurant is really made for two people. When, when, when if you go into the fresh produce aisle at Walmart, it's half the size of this room and the whole rest of the place as big as a football field is all hot pockets and microwavable processed food and I'm by no means a health nut so please don't get that impression but I am trying to be a little bit more healthy in what I eat and what I decide to pass up and what I eat and what I don't what I snack on I am trying to be a little bit more careful about that that's not easy but the reason why I do it is because the long-term effect is I sure feel a lot better and so it's the short term or the long term. And so what I'm, what I'm just trying to get us to understand tonight is our tendency is to, if we don't have a king, as they did in Judges, and in fact it wasn't God's plan that Israel ever had a king. He wanted to be their king. He warned them, please don't do this. Please don't seek a king because he will do this. You want him to save you from everything, but it's actually a king that will lead you into all this mess and he tells them exactly what he's going to do with their children with their with their young men with their with their crops and with what the king would end up doing at some point and sure enough it happens God wanted to be their king he wants to be our Lord but because they had not a king they just did that what they thought was right if we understand the lordship of Jesus Christ, and that's hard for us as Americans. We, we vote people in, we vote them out. They're, even if we vote them in, they only get an eight-year run at best, and then they're done. But, but a king, you didn't get to vote a king in, a, in or out. You, you didn't walk into the king's office. You didn't, you didn't walk into the king's presence and just say, I got, I got a bone to pick with you. I got some issues with you. In fact, he's a king that hung on a cross for me and for you because he loved us so much. And that was his plan, and it overwhelms me that that would be his plan 
that he would be the one to have to be the sacrifice to, for the wrong things that I did? That amazes me. And so, the wages of sin, if I do things contrary to his word, I forfeit my place with him. So it's not that God sends people to hell. It's like the teacher that I, I was upset that she gave me an F. And she said, oh, I, did, I didn't give you an F. It's like, what's right here on my paper? No, no, you earned that. Okay, well, the wages, the payment, the price, the grade for sin is death. But the gift of God, it doesn't just end there. The gift of God, the, the grace of God, the saving grace, the salvation plan of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the wages of my sin is death, but but he has already paid the price for my salvation. All I have to do is, is, is find out what his word says and, and follow it. And thank God he's gracious and kind and forgiving that when I don't pull it off 100% of the time, he's gracious and merciful to me. However, here's my caution tonight. Don't treat that kindly and lightly so much so that you think that you can just 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 casually move in and out of the will of God and everything's okay. Because that's not God's plan A. Well, as long as I make it to heaven, well, I'm, I'm hoping that your desire is greater than just squeaking in to heaven. Because I will tell you that there will be a lot of people that will squeak into heaven that will have so much collateral damage behind them. So many lost people, so many bad relationships, so much damage, just a, just a, a vortex of damage behind them. Luke 6.46 says this, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say. How, how do you call me Lord? You see, since we don't understand the kingdom kingdom mindset, we're Americans, and and we have a a um, it's not a democracy; it's a a, a, a representative uh, republic. It's it's a it's a it's something that that we still have some say so in some matters. But we don't understand the whole lordship, the whole king thing. Again, because we don't have a king over us. And so uh, it's easy for us to flex a little bit about politics. And, and, I, and I promise you, places where there's kings, uh, there is no Saturday, Saturday Night Live making fun of their king. Uh, there, there is no comedy. There is no comedy routine where on somebody's set on their little a comedy routine, they're making fun of the king because there's such an honor and a respect. The king makes the rules. The king makes a decree. He, he, he can make a rule, and it's law instantly um, if you understand lordship. So, so here's the examples I want to give tonight that, that, that we see uh, King David. Um, there was a plan. He was a great man. He did a lot of great things. Slew a giant. Did so many great things. 
Um, but the Bible says that when the kings went to battle, uh, he stayed home. And in that time where he stayed home, um, he, he does a few things. First of all, he, he, he envies, he envies uh, a, a guy's wife as he looks out of the balcony and sees her. And then he decides to call for her, and so he calls for her, and you know the rest of the story, that there's an adulterous relationship that happened there with wife. And then there was a baby that came out of this, so David tried to conceal this. And so he had the soldier come in from battle and have some time with his wife and assuming that they would get together. And then that way, when the baby was born, uh, everybody would know that it was from uh, her husband and um, it would, that sin would be concealed. But the man was so respectful that when he came home from battle, he said, how can I go in and spend intimate time with my wife when my brothers are out in battle? So he sleeps on the porch. And does not go spend any time with his wife because he's going to be honorable and my friends are in battle. Who am I to come home and have the luxury of being with my wife when my friends are in battle? So David finds out about it. He sends him back in the battle and he actually says this, put him at the front of the line. Put him at the front of the battle. And of course, the most dangerous place of the battle, he gets killed in battle and then David takes his wife. So David envied. David had an adulterous affair. David was a murderer. David was supposed to build the temple of God. Plan A. He would have forever been known as the one that built the temple of God. What he got to do instead was gather the supplies and the materials. And his son Solomon had to do what was the plan for David to do. I've preached a series a while back on Elijah, and he prays, and um, a, a, a cruise of oil never runs out, and flour never runs out, and, and, and another particular time, he, he prays, and it doesn't rain for three years, and another time he prays, and fire comes down and licks up a sacrifice that's been doused in water, and, and he's making fun of the... 450 prophets of Baal and, and Jezebel's prophets and makes fun of them and, and then he, he, he uh, ends up uh, defeating them and, and, and then all of a sudden um, he hears the, wo the words of Jezebel and he runs for his life and after all that um, the Lord talks to him on two different occasions while he's in a cave and says um Elijah, why are you here? Now, if the Lord ever asks you a question, it's not because he doesn't know and he's hoping you can help him out. If the Lord ever asks you a question, it's because he's wanting you to figure out the answer. So he asks Elijah, why are you here? And he says, oh, all of Israel hates you and and I'm, only I'm left to serve you, and nobody else loves you, and everybody's out. everybody wants to kill me. And he says all these things. No, one woman said she wanted to kill him. Um, one woman said that. Um, 
all Israel turned their heart back to him. There was also a remnant of 8,000 that never turned away from God. Some of Israel did, but there was a remnant of 8,000 that didn't. And of those that did turn their back on God, they turned back when the whole fire fell situation happened. And he had that showdown with the prophets of Baal. Um, so all that happened. But in his mind, he got so sideways that he had this whole story. Later on, God comes and there's an earthquake, there's a fire, there's a storm, there's, there's, uh, there, there's, there's wind. And, and the Bible says, and, and God wasn't in the wind. God wasn't in the fire. God, so, so God's not in your drama. God didn't cause it. Most of the drama I've been in, I've caused. Sometimes the devil will cause it. Now the Lord sometimes allows some of this, but some of the drama, some of the wind, the earthquakes, the the fire that's been in my life has either been self-imposed, seeds that I planted earlier that all coming up to roost, the chickens are coming home to roost, and and they're the very seeds that I planted in rebellion or I planted with turning my back on God, I planted with not following Scripture, all of a sudden now I'm in trouble. Because I've gotten out of the blessing of God. And I'm wondering why all this trouble. So sometimes it's from it's getting out of the will of God. Now sometimes trouble can come from the enemy. Sometimes the trouble comes from our disobedience. Sometimes the trouble comes from people. But in those passages it said God wasn't in the wind. God wasn't in the fire. God wasn't in the earthquake. And after that, a still small voice. And what did that still small voice say? Um, Elijah, I want to ask you this again. I know this is the WAP version. William Allen Pelham version. Um, Elijah, I'm going to ask you this again. Why are you here? And what does he say this time? Nobody loves you, Lord. Everybody hates me. They're trying to kill me. He says the exact same speech. All the while, God... Previously, while he was in the wilderness, before he got to the cave, while he's in the wilderness, God sends him an angel that feeds him. God shows up in the cave. So what I'm telling you is God's not in your drama, but he is with you in your drama. Aren't you thankful for that? He wasn't in the earthquake, wasn't in the storm, wasn't in the wind, wasn't in the fire. But he was close enough that he could whisper because the Bible says a still, small voice. Can I tell you the amount of trouble that I've been in before? That he has been right there. Self-inflicted trouble. Self-inflicted decisions. And he shows up again faithfully. Why are you here? Why are you in this place? Sometimes I have to say because I put myself here because of my own stupid self. 
sometimes it's, I, I have no idea how I got here. I have no idea what this is all about. And that's where maybe it's from the devil or from, from other people or something. I don't, I don't know what this drama is all about. I, I don't have a clue why me. There's children that are in messes that they didn't choose it. There's people, there's, there's innocent parties in marriages or in divorces that they have no idea what took place or what happened. I was really good to them, and I don't know what happened. There's people end up with sicknesses that for no reason, and, and, and there's no explanation for it. There's people in war-torn countries. There's no explanation for some of that other than there's a very real enemy that's trying to kill, steal, and destroy. But there is a God. And this still small voice that's showing up and saying, why are you here? This isn't my plan for you. And wants to always lift us out of those circumstances. And so we see this Elijah that, that the sad part of that story is one of the greatest prophets of God. After the second time, he tells God uh, all this stuff, the same routine that he said before. God says, all right. Go anoint three people. Tells them to go anoint Elisha to continue to do the prophetic work. Go anoint Jehu to be the king. He's going to go back and take care of Jezebel. The Bible doesn't say this, but I really feel like Elijah was supposed to take care of Jezebel. The Bible doesn't say that. I just kind of feel like that's how the story probably would have went if he didn't go run for his life. He already, he already took care of 450 of her prophets. I mean, he already turned Israel back. I mean, it would seem like the natural candidate that you're supposed to go back there and finish the job. Find me anything that he did after he anoints Jehu, Elisha, and I'm trying to think of the other guy. His, he's really not talked about much in Scripture, but, but he anoints three people. And I think that God had to get three guys to d continue the work that he was supposed to take care of. And so we see that. We see, um, we see Peter. Wasn't God's will for him to deny Christ? Wasn't his will that he do that? Moses, well, Moses is a great man of God. Moses was supposed to lead people in the promised land. Most scholars believe they should have been there in about three days. Uh, 40 years later, here we go again. Moses was told by God to hit the rock and water would flow out of it and feed a million people from Israel that were escaping from Egypt. So he whacks the rock, water comes out. Later on, he gets so mad at Israel because of their complaining that God says, speak to the rock and water will come out of it. But he's so mad at Israel, and this worked last time, so it can't be that bad. Whack, the problem is, he was using that lesson to foreshadow, to as a prophetic example of the first time the rock, the first time that God, the first time that Jesus would come, he would be smitten, he would be hit. 
he would be hurt. But he would not be hurt the second time. But he hit it twice. Totally ruined the whole plan, what it was supposed to look like. So because of that one act, plan A was Moses was supposed to lead Israel out of Egypt into the promised land. The end of Moses' story is he takes him up to a hillside, lets him see Canaan, lets him see the promised land. Says, there it is, right over Jordan. Now go on ahead and climb up that mountain and just look at it from afar because I'm getting ready to take you home. And you're never going to step foot inside the promised land. He still got to be a pretty important part of it. But in an act of disobedience, he ruined plan A. As I close, there's sometimes people that I think are careless with their disobedience, or excuse me, careless with their obedience, because they believe, I believe, in error that God's will will happen anyway. <clears throat> God's big enough. I mean, I can't ruin God's plan. Yep, you can. The other thing is, is for yourself, <clears throat> your blessings are hinged on your obedience. You can't be disobedient to God's word with your finances and think that God's blessing is going to be on that. You can't be disobedient with the word of God and, and relationships and how you handle relationships and expect the blessing of God to be on that relationship. In fact, on, on, on finances, you look at Malachi and it talks about that, that they are cursed with a curse because they stole from God. Because they didn't understand that the, the principle of tithing. And so, um, such a meager amount when you think about it. I asked a, a child one time, I was asked to go to a church's capital campaign banquet. They were trying to raise money for something. They asked me to come. So, I was talking about finance a little bit. And, and I wanted them to start out with the fact of, first of all, being faithful with, with, their, with their support of the kingdom. You know, let's not try to build a new building if we can't even get basic doctrine right. So I had 10 $1 bills in my pocket. <clears throat> and so um, there was a, a child there that was about eight years old that they had not dismissed the children's ministry, so... I said, the first, the first young person that runs up here and, and takes this out of my hand, I'll give them, I've got 10 bucks in my hand, I'll give it to the first kid that comes up here and gets this out of my hand. And this little boy went out, he like he was shot out of a cannon. He went out of the side, ran up there, and I handed it to him. And he grabbed it, and he held it in his hand, looked at me like, okay, what's the catch? And I said, there's no catch, it's yours. And he turned away, turned away to walk away. Uh, he turned to walk away. And I said, wait, 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 wait. I said, can I just have one of those back? And he didn't even hesitate. He just went and handed it to me. I said, okay. 
going, oh, thank you. He turned to walk away and he kind of stopped again, kind of looked again. <laughs> I said, that's it. He went back to his seat. So I asked the church this question. I said, um, I said, the question is, did he give me a dollar? And some of the people shook their head yes. And then after they did, I said, did he give me a dollar or did he just return one of the ten that I gave him? And then you saw the wheels starting to turn. Anybody here ever pray for a job before? If you prayed for the job and you got the job, why do we feel like it's our job after we get it? It's almost like we forget that we prayed that God would give us the job, and then we say, thank you, Jesus, God gave me the job. We say that, and then it's about two weeks later that now it's my job. I got the job. I went in for the interview. The deal is, here's how I view things. I don't know that my next breath is guaranteed to me. So really, all that I am and all that I have, I want to make sure that God gets credit for. I'm very, I'm very thankful for what God has gifted me. So in finance, I, I want to be sure that I understand that God doesn't need my money. But he has found the one thing that we tend to treasure the most to just say, do you trust me? You can keep 90% of it. My pastor, Brother Davis, years ago said he had this one guy that was faithful in his tithing. Then he got this huge promotion. And his tithing stayed the same. And so he talked to him about it. He said, hey, he said, uh, I know you were thankful for this big, huge raise you got, but... Uh, seem like that 10% probably isn't 10%. And the guy said, do you know how much 10% of what I make now is? <laughs> what a stupid response. His response was like, yeah, well, I could pay tithes when I was getting paid a little bit, but man, now that I'm making a lot of money, you know how much money 10% is? Yeah, it's still 10% of the total amount. You're, you're, so how much 90% do you need? And so that works for anybody. This isn't a lesson on tithing. It's not even in my notes. I'm talking about obedience. And sometimes money gets our attention. God doesn't need your cash. He doesn't need it. But he does know that whether it's cash or whether it's Old Testament and it's the first fruits, it's the one spotless lamb, it's one out of ten goats, it's one out of ten of your hay and barley fields, it, it, just, means, it just means something that's valuable to you. And so obedience, I can't expect to have the blessings of God on my finance if I'm violating Scripture. I can't expect to have blessed relationships and handle relationships counter to what the Bible tells me about relationships. 
I can't, I can't be blessed if I'm doing things that are contrary. My blessings are hinged on my obedience. Understand this. Somebody else's salvation may be dependent on your obedience. Well, God will send somebody else. Really? Got scripture for that? Bible says if the gospel be hid, it be hid to them that are lost. The Bible says God is not willing that any should perish, that all should come to repentance. And we all have a responsibility to try to reach somebody. God's plan for you may not happen because of your disobedience. God's plan A, whatever plan A was for you, whatever, whatever thing that was supposed to happen, whatever this is your life, whatever that was supposed to look like, may not happen if we're not obedient to his word. And again, this isn't some kind of threat deal. It's just a reality. It's just the reality that, that, that there may not be a, a, a plan A that happens for us if we're disobedient to how we live and how we walk. So someone may be lost because you were in a backslidden condition the whole time you worked with them. What if during this year and this year, series of five years, you had a job and somebody worked across the cubicle from you and you were in a condition where you weren't serving God during that time frame. You didn't let your light shine. You weren't salt and light to that person. That person came, got transferred out of your department, and in that time frame, it might have been God's plan for you to let your light shine and witness to them. But because you were not serving God at that time frame, is it possible that that person may go into eternity and you were supposed to be the light, but you missed it? This is a tough lesson, right? Because it's responsibility. It's like getting talked to by our parents because we didn't take the trash out or we didn't cut the grass. But as a pastor, every once in a while, we have to have these tough talks. Because it's still a reality. <laughs> your relationships, your calling, your ministry, your financial blessing, your health may all be dependent on your obedience and your faithfulness to God. So before I close, I'd like to just say this. If you like me haven't if you if you haven't done everything perfect in life like I haven't done everything perfect in life and maybe you're on plan B or C and maybe you weren't just spotless through your whole life I just want to just tell you that don't give up because even plan B is better than plan C See, there's a tendency that somebody may leave here tonight saying, well, I've already goofed it up. Pastor already said that, that you know, I, I didn't do things right, and so God's perfect will isn't going to be accomplished in my life. Well, maybe plan A isn't. Maybe it's not for me either. Maybe I'm on plan B. Maybe I'm on plan C. But I will tell you this, that plan C is better than plan D. Plan S is better than plan T. So wherever you are, don't just settle for the fact that, well, I've blown it. It's just no hope. There's no use because that's what the enemy would say. I'm telling you, 
you just wherever you are to try to stay in God's will in your life and do the best moving forward to do the plan. If, if Moses would have gave up after he smote the rock, they might still be marching around looking for the promised land. If David said, forget it, I messed up with Bathsheba, it's done, I, I'm not going to build the temple, I'm not doing anything, and he walks out, then there's no supplies for Solomon. So the thing still happens even if it's not according to plan A. Now I do believe that there will be people, because I've missed the will of God, that there will be people that I may see in eternity that I was responsible to win, but because of my disobedience, they'll be lost. Or how I handled certain people, or how I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't follow through with certain things. I think that's very feasible, because I understand obedience. So don't ever give up and say, well, I've already messed up, I might as well quit. Don't ever do that. The, the, the lesson tonight is, please understand that your obedience matters. I want God's plan for my life. I want to accomplish it. I don't want to go through life casually, casually responding to Scripture, thinking that, well, whatever will happen will happen. Whatever God's will is will be God's will. And, and my decisions don't really matter in the grand scheme of things. They absolutely do. And we have to do our best to, as God reveals Scripture to us, to follow it, to walk in it, to discipline myself. Well, it's easy for you. It's not easy for any of us. I, I, grew up, I had to have my own convictions when I was a teenager. My mom and dad weren't serving God when I was a teenager. They were serving God when I was a kid. And then through most of my teenage years, they, they weren't even going to church. They told me I could do some things. They told me, they, they handed me things with alcohol in it. They weren't, they weren't alcoholics. They, we'd be somewhere and there would be a celebration, New Year's Eve or something. They'd hand, passing out champagne. They would hand me one and say, it's okay. I was a kid. I was a teenager. What do you do with that? Fortunately, I had enough walk with God that, that just to try to fit in but not really want to do anything wrong because I knew God was there and I knew I wouldn't be pleasing to God. I held it up and act like I drank it and I didn't and I set it back down and let somebody else finish it off and I just kind of walked away. There were things that my parents would have allowed me to do that I chose not to do. It was not easy for me growing up. Almost every conviction I had, it was between me and Jesus. So don't think it's easier for you. I still have flesh. I still have people hand me back too much change. And there's a moment that you think about it. There's still business dealings where things happen where you know that they could go this way if you just keep your mouth shut and you have to open your mouth and say, no, no, this is, this is too much. There's all kinds of temptations available. And so it's not easy for anybody. It's not easier for a pastor. It's not easier for a, a trustee. It's not easier for somebody else. We're all walking this. And we all have to look at the word of God and the, and the heartbeat of God and say, God, I want to be pleasing to you in all that I do. I do it because you love you. As you go back, as we go to that, back to that one scripture that said, uh, where is it here? Where is it here? Backing up, backing up. If you love me, keep my commandments. 
this is a relationship I have with him. I don't do or not do things because he's just going to smoke me. I want to be pleasing to him. He's been generous to me. He's been good to me. He's been faithful to me. If he's given me some guidelines to follow, I want to follow those. And I don't want to put myself or my family in jeopardy. If I do something foolish, I put my family in jeopardy. If I fall for something, if I fall for some, something with my flesh, I put them in jeopardy. If you don't believe me, ask Aiken's wife. Ask his kids, ask his pets. Because of his sin, the whole family suffered. Because Achan stole some things. So the whole family, not only his family, but 36 soldiers that went into battle against Ai lost their lives. They're wondering, why, why didn't we beat this small town? Why didn't, we, why didn't we beat this small band of soldiers? Why didn't we beat the, the city of Ai? It should have been so easy for us to take. We lost 36 good men. Somebody's uncle didn't come home. Somebody's dad didn't come home. Somebody's nephew, somebody's son didn't come home for battle because Achan took some stuff and hid it in his tent. So it does matter. And I want to be, be right with God, and I want to follow after him. Let's stand to our feet. So I want you just to examine your heart before we leave here tonight. And just ask yourself this. Is it important that I stay in God's will? His will for me. That I walk in it. Is his plan always better for me than my own plan? And has he given me his word for a reason? To follow, to save me from myself. To save me from my own carnality, my own poor decisions. Has he given me his word to show me how I can make it to be with him, so I can make it to heaven, so I can... I can escape all the stupid decisions I would probably do on my own that would hurt me, that would hurt my family, that would hurt our relationships, that would hurt so many areas in life. Did he give me a book? Did he give me his word that if I followed it, that I would have a better outcome than if I just do things on my own? Let's pray as we're dismissed here tonight. Let's all lift up our voices.